Hey, this is David Manns, host of Cooperatively Speaking, an E&I podcast, and we really want to hear from you. There's not really a way for us to get feedback from these podcasts where you can leave comments or suggestions, so we're asking you to please send us an email at podcast at eandi.org. It's podcast at eandi.org. So we know what you're thinking. Tell us what you like or don't like, some topics and suggestions or even guests that you'd like for us to have on our next podcast or a future episode. Again, reach out to us, podcast at eandi.org. Thanks. Love to hear from you. Hello, and welcome to Cooperatively Speaking, an E&I podcast. I'm your host, David Manns. Today, we have Titus Martin, Executive Director, Supplier Diversity for E&I Cooperative Services, and we're excited to tap into his brain and get a better understanding of not only the E&I program, our goals, our mission, but how to better serve our community and to be more efficient at what we're doing to help our students and our stakeholders on campus. Before we get started, Titus, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better as a person. And I just want to ask, outside of uh, saving corporations millions of dollars and helping communities grow and flourish, what is it that you do on your spare time that makes uh, Titus, Titus? Thanks again, first of all, for having me. And uh, I am an avid sports fan, very uh, active in both basketball, football. We love both those things. Uh, and also very active in my uh, local church and ministry. So um, outside of that and work and my family, uh, I've been married for 30 plus years. I have a daughter in grad school. So those things uh, keep me pretty busy. Thanks for that background, Titus. It's always great to get to know someone a little bit better. And first, I want to start off with what is your vision? What's the E&I vision for supplier diversity? What's what's the mission, the vision, and how it's impacting our universities and campus around the country? In terms of our vision, we want to empower our members to make informed, analytical-driven decisions so that they can capture more spend with diverse suppliers and then optimize their own education dollars. Uh, I think that's one of our biggest visions. And how do we do that? We're going to do this by sharing our values. Our values are around embracing diverse suppliers and utilizing them as solution providers so that we can offer these types of solutions to our members. Um, solutions such as you know, lower costs, uh, local uh, participation, uh, innovation. You know, There's a plethora of things that diverse suppliers can bring to the table, and we want to be able to maximize those solutions and bring them to our members. So in our conversation today, I'd love for the listener to walk away with a better understanding of what they can do and the social impact around them and how that impacts them financially at their institution and in their local communities. And so, you know, right off the bat, I really want to have a conversation with you about what does it mean to invest? What does it mean to invest within supplier diversity? I know that E&I has had a focus on this, and obviously E&I serves education institutions. Tell me a little bit more about why you're here with E&I and what the mission and vision looks like. Sure, David. Let's define what supply diversity is. So supply diversity is actually the proactive integration of businesses from underserved or underutilized communities into E&I's supply chain. By engaging in diverse suppliers, Supply diversity actually helps to drive value creation, not only in our business, but also impacts the communities that our members reside in. 
And so that is where I think we want to try and start the conversation because it is more of an economic impact that um, a lot of our listeners may or may not know about. You mentioned economic impact, and I know I mentioned that uh, earlier, but I think I and, and some people probably need a better understanding of what that looks like. What is the buying power of these communities? Well, let's start with some of the driving forces around the business case. So there's actually, I think, three t- areas of conversation that I think we want to dive into. First and foremost, as you alluded to, we want to talk about the economic impact or of these communities, the buying power. But before we can talk about that, we have to talk about what's driving it. So there's a population that's changing. Here in the U.S., you know, the U.S. Census data is showing us that by the year 2045-ish in there, that the U.S. is going to be over 50% people of color. So that's happening. It's going to happen. It's been happening over the past uh, 20, 30 years. Then we also have the buying power behind these particular communities. The same data that's coming from the U.S. Census Bureau, as well as other organizations that manage and track this data, statistics have said that African-Americans, Native Americans, Asian-Americans, and Hispanic-Americans, they have a buying power of $5 trillion annually. So $5 trillion, that's a significant amount of, of revenue. And um, so these individuals are have a significant impact on our economy due to the population increases. All right, so they're going hand in hand. No, so Titus, I wanted to ask you just for clarification. You you said there was five, and I want you to define the letter. Is that a, a, a B with a billion or T with a trillion? It is T with a trillion. <laughs> That's massive. Okay, yeah, I don't want that to be understated. That's significant. So this community has trillions of dollars worth of opportunity that's being relatively untapped. Trillions of dollars that's spending. And I believe what's happening now is we have different sectors that are going after these particular industries. And what is actually occurring is that from advertising perspective and marketing perspective, businesses in different sectors are understanding that in order to go after these communities of color that are buying things, there's specific advertising that you have to target these markets because the dollar is so much until it can no longer be ignored. Again, we have the population increasing. We also have the buying power of these communities that are growing. And together, there is a holistic value creation that we at ENI want to focus on. And I believe that's where we can bring value to our members. Yeah, I, I like that phrase, holistic value creation, Titus. And in my mind, I get a picture sort of of a, uh, you know, a, a moving circle, something that's continuous. It doesn't stop or really end at any one place. And I'd really like to dig deeper into what holistic value creation means in your brain and what you're bringing to ENI with that vision. Holistic value creation is actually the way that ENI focuses on the effects that biodiversity has on overall value chain and how we can actually create impact into these particular communities. There are several aspects that going to the value creation. It starts with the value to the member. Those things stem around revenue generation. They're looking for cost savings. They're looking for waste for additional innovation. So these are the types of things that they're looking for of their respective supply chain. And these are things that E and I can bring. In addition to that, many of our members are in these population or these areas where there's a growing number of diverse businesses. And they also correspond to the different areas that I alluded to before, African-American ethnic minorities, African-Americans, you know, Native Americans, Hispanic Americans, etc. And for our purpose today, we're just going to focus on the ethnic minorities because there's also a business case that can be given for women, 
veterans. So there are a lot of different diverse owned businesses that there are similar trends that are happening in the U.S. For the point of our discussion today, we'll just stick with the ethnic minorities. I talked about supplier development. That is how do we involve diverse suppliers in these respective communities to add capacity building, mentoring, which will in turn turn into spend growth for these particular uh, diverse suppliers. The third aspect of that leg is really the impact to the communities. These things can be seen in terms of job creation, economic activity that's being supported by the use of paying out wages and salaries to individual households. These individuals are then able to go into their respective communities and buy goods and services. Those goods and services turn back into revenue for individual corporations. And in the case of our members, it could be education. So the services associated with, with education can also be contributed to options that these individuals could in fact purchase with their dollars. And those three things is what we summarize as the holistic value creation. So we're not just focused on the spending with diverse suppliers, but we're looking for other aspects of how value is being brought to that entire supply chain. That makes sense. When you use more companies within a community, they have to create more jobs. They're paying additional taxes. They're bringing in additional resources especially with supply chain shortages, you think, you know, that there's so many suppliers that are just struggling to have enough product on the shelf and there's lead times. Just go to any automotive facility out there and you can see there's, you know, there's not many cars on the lot. I think we're seeing it in every sector. So when, when you really look at what your complete supply chain looks like versus just the few suppliers that you're using, I think you really open up a tremendous amount of opportunity for yourself. And then obviously all of the benefit that comes with it, like you mentioned, the tax dollars, the increased wages, the jobs that go through it, and you're really building and developing an entire community. And at your school, your university, that's what you are. The people there wear your colors, right? They work on your campuses or near them. They're they're watching your football games and soccer and volleyball. They're really supporting in so many different ways in that community. And the better we can tap into the professionalism and the market share, the the products that they have, the resources that they have, the talent, there's so much there on the table already waiting to support us on our campuses. I think for me, the mindset is, man, I'm struggling with you know the financials or I don't have enough people to work on campus or there's supply chain shortages. I think if you kind of step back a little bit and you look at the forest, I think you can see a whole lot more trees within that forest that can really support you. And in the long term, you're developing a really strong cycle that's going to pay dividends back to your university because of all of those benefits that we mentioned. I think you, you touched on it very greatly. You know, one of the things that we also want to make sure we understand is that in addition to the buying power of these individual minority ethnic groups, there was a study done by a clinical professor. This is back in the 90s. The gentleman has since retired from one of the universities, but he, his name is Steve Rogers. And one of the things that he actually did was did a study on as the population began to grow, how do you do business with, with these populations, these growing ethnic populations? And what his research showed was by doing business with minority owners, those individuals are hiring minority workers to a far greater extent than non-minority workers. So as you can see how all these things can kind of come to almost like a, a perfect storm, if you will, the population is growing, the spending is growing, you're trying to target this growing population, you begin to do business with diverse suppliers or minority owners that are in these ethnic or we'll still call them large population of cities. And then as a result, those individuals are able to buy your goods and services. You know, in the case of our members, they're able to buy 
education services. You know, they're able to go and pick which school of choice that they can actually go to. I mean, these are all types of things that um, has to be thought about in terms of being able to reach future generations because these individuals will you know, need those services once the, the population becomes uh, of age. And so I believe it's a great opportunity for our members to be able to just tap into these growing populations because, again, the money's there, the, the growth is there, and so the services should be available for them. Yeah, I, I like that, Titus. You know, one thing that I've learned over the years, because this is not new, right? These programs have been around for many years, uh, and I'd like you to give us, you know, just quickly kind of where we've been and where we are today and, and how it's, it's different. I don't know that the intention is any different. I think our practical application of it possibly is. But I think that the opportunity for us to really look at what's in the best interest of everyone in the community. And then even, you know, I think there's all a piece of us of what makes my life a little easier, right? So what I've learned in this is it's not really an altruism thing. This is not just here, let's help somebody. It's helping myself through looking at the entirety of my community, right? This is not just throwing a few dollars in certain corners for a metric that I have to hit or just because I feel like it's the right thing to do. Those are well and good. But really what we see is the investment in our community, in the entire community, is a dividend investment back to myself and my institution. It's it's not just handing out. It's not just giving to somebody. It's making a wise choice. It's making a smart decision in a community. And you've been really awesome with your messaging with that and really helping me kind of understand what's the bigger picture, right? You're at the ground and you're looking at what you're doing. Let's raise up. Let's get in an airplane. Let's get 30,000 feet and let's look at the landscape. Let's look at the opportunity. Let's see what my involvement is in that. It's bigger than just giving a few dollars to a local company. I agree. I think from a university's perspective, they're always looking for several things. They're looking for ways to better utilize their dollars. So if they can maximize the value that they get in their supply chain, then they can utilize their own dollars for more research, um, more things on campus. And that, I think, can go hand in hand. You know, studies have shown that minority-owned businesses, not only do they hire more minority workers than non-minority, but also when it comes to innovation and things of that nature. They're smaller. A lot of these individuals are coming from Fortune 500 companies in terms of their background, so they're much more educated. Many of these individuals have advanced degrees and things of that nature, and um, they decide to go and buy businesses. So the model of a small business or a diverse business has shifted over the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, it's no longer the mom pod that's growing out of your backyard or anything of that nature. These individuals, like I said, are very highly educated. They have access to capital. And a lot of the, the challenges that they had in the past, they've been able to overcome. And um, be divestitures or buying or acquisitions, strategic alliances or joint ventures. So there are lots of different ways that they are getting into the marketplace that are a little bit different um, depending on obviously the industry. But I think the value back to our members is how do they maximize their supply chain by utilizing diverse suppliers, getting the best costs, quality, and delivery for the goods and services that they desire. And again, these are ways that ENI is trying to come up with more and more innovative solutions to be able to uh, assist. So Titus, all of what I'm hearing today is that holistic value creation. It, it is, it's circular, right? What we invest in comes back to us, especially in our communities. And that's truly what this is. It's an investment in our communities and that's gonna determine the health of everyone in and around our community. 
Uh, it's not just altruism. It's really, truly an investment in our community and the people that serve us and that we serve. And so I really want to dig in more with you on this. This is just our first of this conversation. But I do want to ask, Titus, I want to ask you, what question do you get most often or what do you find yourself telling people that you can't tell them enough questions that people ask you or information you want to get out that you are finding yourself saying over and over again? Do you have anything like that? I sure do. And most of the time, people are asking us why we're doing this or why is it valuable for us. And one of the things that I often leave them with is, with our supply diversity initiative, what we're trying to do is we're, we're seeking to contribute to operational excellence. How can we enhance our brand with our key stakeholders in the communities that we are serving? And we also want to be able to provide exceptional value, evaluated resources, and exceed the expectations of our, of our members so that they can focus on highlighting their environmental and social governance of their particular organization. And so we just want to make sure that they understand that biodiversity is more than just a check the box. It is, to your point, something value added. It is something that can contribute to the bottom line of not only universities, but also the impact into the communities, whether it be jobs, wages, increasing of the tax base. There's a plethora of things that biodiversity brings to uh, in university. And so we want to be able to share those types of things to our listening audience. So we appreciate, again, the time today and look forward to working with you in the future on it. Yeah, thank you, Titus. And all of this information will be on our website, www.eandi.org slash podcast. All of the links or references that we mentioned and our contact information will also be in there. Titus Martin, I am so grateful for your time. Titus is the Executive Director for Supply Diversity at ENI Cooperative Services. We would love to continue the conversation in future episodes. And as always, please like and subscribe on any of your preferred streaming platforms. It could be Spotify or Google, Apple, whatever you choose. Click subscribe, click like, and we will deliver more content like this to you. Thank you for listening to Cooperatively Speaking, an ENI podcast.